We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Two weeks from tonight, the NFL season kicks off at Arrowhead. The defending champion Chiefs against the Lions. What a high-profile spot for the Lions. I know they play that early Thanksgiving Day game every year, but it's been a long time since, well, A, the expectations have been high for the Lions. They're the favorites in the NFC North. And then B, they've been thrust into a spot like this, you know, the season opener at Arrowhead. Uh, They are underdogs at my bookie in this game, six and a half point underdogs. And my bookie is the sponsor of today's show. Go to mybookie.ag. You can register for an account for nothing. When you're ready to make your first deposit, use my promo code KevinDC to grab a welcome bonus on the house. That's promo code KevinDC to claim your deposit bonus. And for a limited time, you'll get a free chip, a free chip to use in the My Bookie Casino. Look, guys, if you're thinking about betting football and you don't have a spot, even if you do, you should have a second spot if you're going to do this right. My bookies, point spreads, money lines, everything is fair. Their pricing is exceptional. You get paid if you win. College football opens up this Saturday. You've got week zero games, they call it. Uh, and that includes, by the way, the Heisman Trophy winner Saturday night. Uh, Southern Cal is a 30-point favorite at my bookie over San Jose State with Caleb Williams quarterbacking the Trojans. And, by the way, earlier in the day from Ireland, it's Brian Newberry kicking off his era as Navy's head coach as a 21-point underdog against Sam Hartman and Notre Dame. Next week, a week from tonight, you get the the beginning of the first full-fledged college football weekend of the year. Uh, there are a couple of big games uh, leading into Labor Day weekend. Utah and Florida play on Thursday night. That is a rematch from really one of the games of the year last year, which also took place Labor Day weekend, and that was the game in which Anthony Richardson really kind of declared himself as a potential first-round NFL pick. That was a great football game that Florida won. Uh, Florida's not expected to be great this year. Utah coming in as a top-15 team. They are five-and-a-half-point favorites at my bookie over the Gators. And then the game 
of week one next weekend in college football comes on Sunday night, uh, Labor Day Eve, and that's a game between fifth-ranked LSU and eighth-ranked Florida State. Uh, LSU a a two-and-a-half-point favorite in that one over the Knolls. So go to mybookie.ag, register for an account, and use my promo code KevinDC to get a welcome bonus and a free chip to the MyBookie online casino. On the show today, one guest, Sean King, former Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback and currently a co-host with our good friend Tim Murray on Vizen's primetime show out in Vegas. Sean was on with us maybe a year ago. He is a massive Sam Howell fan. He's also an excellent guest. Uh, We'll talk Sam Howell. We'll talk Washington. We'll talk the rest of the league with Sean King coming up shortly. By the way, let me give you a heads up about today's show. It was recorded because I took a few days off at the end of the week. Um, I'll be back on Monday with a podcast. But if there is any big breaking news today, you're not going to get it on the podcast today. I'll be back Monday with kind of a recap of the final preseason game against Cincinnati. uh, And also, um, we'll start to look at the cutdown day, which is Tuesday the 29th at 4 p.m. I would expect they'll start to cut players loose right after that Cincinnati game on Sunday. Um, but uh, as I've mentioned before, it's no longer a staggered cutdown uh, situation with cutdown dates. It's one fell swoop, 90 to 53. Uh, there will be some busy teams uh, next week on the waiver wire. So before we get to Sean King, who has been riding the Sam Howell horse for a few years now, since Sam was in Chapel Hill, I wanted to read this note from Polly M. Uh, not 757 Polly, my guy Polly, but a different Polly. He writes, Kevin, I think the win over the Ravens was the biggest preseason win in franchise history. I'm sure you have a list So where does it rank? Did Babe Laufenberg have a bigger win? What about Osaka and Spurrier? Um, Thanks, Paulie M. No, I don't have a list of the biggest preseason wins in franchise history. It's not a list I've ever thought about putting together. But I'm not going to disagree with you. I mean, nothing really even comes to mind in terms of a list of memorable preseason games except for Osaka. Now, Babe Laufenberg, I know, was a preseason hero, but I can't specifically remember uh, the games that he won or the touchdown passes that he threw. Like, there's not a moment uh, from Babe Laufenberg that I remember. I just remember him leading some fourth-quarter preseason comeback wins. But I can't tell you who who he beat. I can't tell you anything about what he did in those games. I do remember Osaka, but, um, and more on that coming up, but uh, the Ravens Monday night game, I I think you're right. Like it will be memorable, you know, as far as preseason games go. I don't personally think it'll be remembered as the first game at home without Dan. I think that game will be September 10th against Arizona. I think the season opener uh, of, of 2023 
uh, down the road will be remembered as the first game without Dan and the first game of the Josh Harris ownership era. I don't think we're going to think of you know, the win over Baltimore or the game against Cleveland last week is the first game without Dan Snyder. Uh, I think we'll think of the regular season that way. But I do think it'll be memorable because of the Ravens' all-time NFL preseason win streak ending. That's what will make it, I think, memorable. As strange, as coincidental, as stupid, as Sam Cosme put it, uh, as that streak uh, was, um, I think that's what... Uh, we will we'll remember about the win over the Ravens on Monday night. But bringing up Osaka reminded me of my interview of Steve Spurrier back in the spring. So I went and I found the part of the interview where Osaka comes up. And I'm going to play that for you here in a moment. But for those that don't remember the details. Steve Spurrier's first game as the head coach of the Washington Redskins was a preseason game in early August 2002 in Osaka, Japan against San Francisco. It was the, It was not the first preseason game. That was always and always has been the Hall of Fame game in Canton, but it was a standalone game Um, I think that weekend, uh, or maybe shortly after the game in Canton, uh, and it was televised by ESPN late night, you know, Japan, uh, local time late night here on the East Coast. Uh, But he unleashed, Spurrier did, the fun and gun on the 49ers in a preseason opener to the tune of 38 points, five touchdown passes, and over 400 yards of offense. Uh, Back then, there was an understanding about how irrelevant the preseason was. But back then, starters played more, typically. uh, And, um, you know, there there was an understanding about how irrelevant the preseason results were. But the truth about that game in Osaka was a lot of fans of the team were like, oh, my God. Here we go. I mean, Danny Werfel is slinging it around the Osaka Dome. It was memorable. Uh, This was the part of my interview with Spurrier uh, back in the spring where he talks about Osaka. What are your good memories from Washington? Oh, let's see. You know, we won some games there early. Uh, In fact... uh, we went to Tokyo, or not Tokyo, but what was that Os- other Osaka. Osaka in the preseason. Osaka. Yeah, won that preseason game. And Mooch, uh, uh, Mariucci, uh, the coach there, he said it's the first time he'd ever had an uh, exhibition preseason game that the other team ran the score up on him. <laughs> we, we, uh, we were at 31-7 to with about – Oh, a minute and a half left, and we had fourth and one at about, oh, they're 30 or so. And one of the assistant coaches said, Coach, go ahead and throw it in the end zone. I said, oh, we don't, you sure? I said, okay, throw the damn thing in the end zone. So I think uh, our quarterback went back through another touchdown pass uh, with about a minute left. So Mooch wasn't real happy about it, but he, uh, they beat us during the regular season. Right. They, they played their varsity the whole game in the regular season. 
Uh, they didn't play their varsity in that uh, preseason game. You know, this is a very legendary game for us over the years in discussing it because, you know, we thought, here we go, it's the fun and gun, yeah. and you're rolling up 38 and 400 yards of offense in a preseason game. I am curious because you had played in the NFL, obviously, um, and you had coached in, in the USFL. Did you, did you – did you think that what happened in the first preseason of the game was actually something that was translatable to the regular season? Were you confident after that game? Well, well, we we thought we would do all right, but we also understood that the other teams, they don't play their starting defensive linemen very much, or even many of their starting defensive guys. So uh, our free agent guys and our young guys uh, – uh, we could play against the other team's free agents and young guys. We we had a system that was pretty easy to put in uh, within two or three weeks there. But when the the big guys came on, and uh, it was it was hard to block those big guys, so it was a little bit different story, obviously. He is the best. Uh, that was so much fun talking to him. Uh, it was the first time I had ever had Spurrier on the show. Uh, that uh, that matchup in Osaka, by the way, preceded, as he talked about, uh, the regular season matchup with the 49ers varsity, which came just over a month later at Candlestick. Ouch. Uh, that was a 20-10 loss where Washington managed just 217 total yards and had three turnovers. Yeah, uh, the 49ers played their varsity uh, in the regular season. In retrospect, he probably shouldn't have run it up on the Niners in Osaka in early August. Uh, Hindsight, 50-50, as he might say. All right, up next, Sean King, former Buccaneers quarterback and current co-host with Tim Murray on Vizen's primetime show. He will join me to talk Washington, talk Sam Howell, and a little NFL as well. We'll get to that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you get a moment to rate us and review us, especially on Apple and Spotify, it would be much appreciated. Uh, It doesn't take long. You could pause the podcast right now, give us up to five stars. That's very beneficial. And write a review like Sam G3 did. Uh, Sam G3 from New Orleans wrote, Kev, after giving us five stars, Kev, been listening since the Cooley 980 days. 
but first-time commenter. Yesterday was five stars, one for you and four for Rick Doc Uber. Thanks for your hustle keeping a forever DC fan in the know. Uh, Yeah, Doc was on last week and kept saying about various players, that guy's such a good young man that if he called me at 4 a.m., no matter where he was, I'd go pick him up. Um, Love having Doc on the show. And thank you, Sam G3, for that very nice review. All right, joining us right now uh, is Sean King. Sean played football for Tampa Bay in the NFL as a quarterback. He is also uh, has also been hosting for a few years now Vizen's primetime show with our good friend Tim Murray. Uh, Sean joins us right now. We had Sean on the show last year. I loved having him on. I'm, I've been on with Sean and Tim a few times, and Sean is the biggest Sam Howe fan that I know, so let's start there. Uh, you are a massive fan and have been since the moment he got picked in the fifth round, which, by the way, let me start right there. You had a major problem with that he slipped all the way to the fifth round. Well, I just think it shows the major gap that exists in the NFL from an evaluation standpoint. I mean, it's not like he wasn't great at North Carolina. You know, he threw for over 10,000 yards and I think 92 touchdowns. But the evaluators get so caught up into how tall you are, how far can you throw the ball, that they forget that. Sometimes the packaging isn't what you presume it to be. Another example is Brock Purdy. Think about all of the highly rated quarterbacks in the last couple of classes. And as we sit right now, Sam Howell and Brock Purdy look like the two that are probably going to emerge as the best of the bunch. And I'm not including the Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud group. Right. I'm talking the two classes previous. And it's just people, for whatever reason, and maybe it's because the NFL is turning into more of a corporate type of model. They don't have people that can evaluate the quarterback position. I mean, it was clear to me. It wasn't like I felt like I was going out on a limb and picking a guy from a D4 school, you know, that nobody had ever seen. I was – and I, I, I sent texts to head coaches in the NFL. Sam Howell is the best quarterback in this draft. And obviously they don't believe me because he fell to, what, the fifth round. But I'm happy for him. I'm not surprised. I wish he had a different head coach than Ron Rivera, but other than that, I'm pretty optimistic about the season. So Ron Rivera wasn't one of the coaches you called to say draft Sam Howell? No. <laughs> so who who did you call out of curiosity? Well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say names because uh, we keep our, our – that's communication that's you know, fine. between us, but it, it's guys that selected quarterbacks in that draft, and they weren't Sam Howell. Right. And so I'm not going to tell – I'm not going to send I told you so text yet because officially none of the preseason matters, but about midseason, as long as Rivera don't screw this up, I'll be sending out some texts. You know, there are a couple of things um, that, that are just uh, off of what you said that come up to me. Number one is, well, first of all, what you just said. 
he's played one regular season game. So while you won't pump the brakes, and I don't expect you to because you've been a believer since he was at Chapel Hill, when since he was at Carolina, but it's still too early um, to, to you know to, to to crown him as Denny Green once said. But you brought up something that I've talked a little bit about Sean over the last several months. So from 2010 to 2021, right, 12 seasons, 74 quarterbacks were taken on day three of the draft. Only three of those quarterbacks have become steady NFL quarterbacks, and really only two, Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins. Tyrod Taylor has started a lot of games. And so one of the things I have considered, and I think this is kind of where you were going to a certain degree, is that those quarterbacks aren't evaluated well, and then because the investment is so insignificant, they're not given the same opportunity. How much of those 71 quarterbacks that didn't become steady quarterbacks over that 12-year period was about they weren't good enough versus they didn't have the opportunity? I don't need a hard number because you don't have that list in front of you, but what does your gut tell you? I would say 70% of it was just bad evaluation. And then you they and then they didn't that. get the opportunity. Well, I don't even know if it's they didn't get the opportunity, but when you overdraft a quarterback, you put unfair expectations on him. It's not Zach Wilson's fault that the Jets drafted him in the top five. It's not Trey Lance's fault that the Niners drafted him in the top five. Traded up to do it, by the way. But if you look at, and I know this is a draft for Sam, if you look at what Zach Wilson did in college and what Trey Lance did in college, and then put contextually in a comparative narrative to what Sam Howell did in college and explain to me how those guys were top five picks and Sam dropped to the fifth round. Right. There's just a lot of people in positions in the National Football League that have final say that don't know how to evaluate talent. And it's not me throwing shots at anybody. It's just the truth. You can look at the results and tell. Malik Willis, Matt Corral were drafted in front of Sam Howell in that draft. Yeah, I, no, I I hear you. I, I I just think that there are examples of quarterbacks that put up awesome numbers at big time college institutions that you know also got drafted in spots in which they were evaluated well. I don't think every quarterback's misevaluated. I mean. We had a. I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, uh, Matt Jones. I thought. I thought Matt Jones would have been San Francisco's Brock Purdy. Yeah. If they would have <laughs> just stayed put and taken Matt Jones, he's basically a better version of Brock Purdy. Same skill set. But Matt went to New England, who was in transition from Tom Brady. Belichick decides to hire a career defensive coach as his offensive coordinator in year two. Yeah. And now people are wondering if Matt is a bust. So sometimes it's the organization that screws it up because they don't know how to evaluate and they also don't know how to develop. And this is what brings me back to Ron Rivera. The only reason there are question marks about Sam Howell is because when Carson Wentz got injured last year, for some reason, Rivera made the decision to go back to Taylor Heineke as a Sam Howell. 
And before you tell me maybe he wasn't ready or somebody in the uh, message boards asked, well, he wasn't ready, Rob Rivera still doesn't think Sam Howell is ready. Listen to him. Yeah, well. He had to question and, and debate. Well, I don't know if we're ready to name a starter. Like, are you serious? Well, I mean, going back that's to last year, yeah, Sean, he didn't even Ron didn't even want to start Sam in that in meaningless yeah, yes. in that meaningless regular season game. Taylor Heineke talked him into it, right? And so that's not Sam Howell's fault. That's a failure in leadership. That's why over twelve NFL seasons, Rivera's only been the head coach of three teams that finished above five hundred. <laughs> You're not a big Ron Rivera fan. I am not, because you're a defensive guy. Get out of the way. Let Eric Bieniemy run the offensive side of the team. Uh, I think he's doing that. I think he's absolutely now, doing that. Yeah. Now, after he had to retract statements he made of, and, and the contrary. Right. You've been paying attention. <laughs> You've been paying attention yeah, to what's been going I'm, on here. I'm, I'm paid to do that. <laughs> I and know, but you know. That are just here, for your listeners that are just hearing me for the first time, <laughs> I never speak on anything I have not researched. <laughs> I know, but you've also got Tim sitting next to you talking Washington a lot. But I, you know how much um, I love coming on, on your guys' show, commanders. too. Yeah. What'd you say? Tim hates the commanders. I'm, I'm the commander fan. Oh, I'm the one on the right. show talking about we. And he, he's still not a believer in Sam Howell. I don't think he not he doesn't not believe in him, but I think he wants me to be wrong on this one because I was so ahead of everybody else. But he's not gonna it's not gonna happen. And it's not because of me, it's because Sam's a baller, always has been. Go back and look at him in high school. Yeah. Look at him in North Carolina. Now he's gonna do the same thing because he has the one thing that you can't measure. He has the intangibles you look for in a championship quarterback. He's more athletic than people give him credit for. He'll be able to extend plays. He'll be able to make things happen. Maybe not as spectacularly as Patrick Mahomes, but he's in that same caliber of improvisation. Improvisation, my word, my bad. Say the word, right? No, that's fine. And his arm, and he's very accurate when he throws the ball down the field. He throws the ball with anticipation. He throws the ball accurate in the mid-level, accurate in the short level. I mean, I still to the day do not understand what the NFL missed in that evaluation. So is there anything the next Joe Montana doesn't do well? Well, <laughs> in a perfect world, you'd like him to be three inches taller. Right. I mean, you'd like him to have more of a elite uh, arm talent. Now, he can push the ball down the field, but he's generally got to be lower body included when he does it. So he's not uh, Anthony Richardson or Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, you know, that can, you know, be off platform and throw the ball with velocity way down the field. But he understands that. And very rarely does he get caught trying to do something he can't do. What do you think of Washington this year? I think if Josh Harris removed Ron Rivera from head coach and promoted Eric Bieniemy, they're a playoff caliber team. Uh, when I was on with you the other night on your show, you you actually threw that out as the key to Washington's season is getting rid of Ron Rivera. Now, you know they're not going to do that. Um, but I, I would say to you that I think Eric Bieniemy's got a hell of a lot of autonomy 
to do what he wants to do offensively. So let's just pretend for a moment that Eric Bieniemy can make any call that he wants offensively. Do you like this team? I mean, do you like the roster? I think they have a very good group of young pass catchers at wide receiver. Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dawson, some of those younger guys. Dami Brown started the flash last night. I like their group of pass catchers. I think they are solid, if not spectacular, at running back. I think people will be surprised at the, uh, how versatile Antonio Gibson is. Right. Now that Eric can get a chance to put him in different spots, I'm kind of concerned because I don't think Logan Thomas has proved he's dependable from a health standpoint. And I don't know that they have anybody behind him that, you know, puts fear in opposing defenses. Of course, the offensive line issues are well known, but, you know, as I tell Tim, there are probably only four or five teams in the NFL that don't have concerns on the O-line. So as long as, you know, they aren't a complete disaster, I mean, I don't think they'll be the ultimate reason why Washington wins or loses. Do you like the offensive fit, more of a West Coast-based system for Sam Howell? Oh, yeah, I love, you know, the fact that he has a coordinator that doesn't have a system, but he has a plan. And let me expound on what I mean. The reason that the Chiefs have been so successful, people just look at Mahomes and Andy, but Andy has been successful with Donovan McNabb. He was successful with uh, Alex Smith, like, his plan is pretty much quarterback-proof because he adjusted to fit whatever the personnel is that particular season. Kansas City was one thing when you watch them on offense when they had Tariq Hill. They decided not to pay Tariq Hill. They move on from him, and they win a Super Bowl the subsequent year because Andy's able to adapt and adjust from year to year based on the personnel. So Eric's the same way. He's from that same cloth. He'll make this thing work. You know, whether, you know, with Antonio Gibson as the lead back or Brian Robinson or, you know, if for some reason they get really frisky and decide to get into Jonathan Taylor sweepstakes, like, he's going to make it work and he can evolve it based on the personnel. I would feel better if Logan Thomas could stay healthy, but I'm not banking on that. Have you have you seen any of Cole Turner, um, who they drafted last year, 6'6"? He's looked, he's looked the part, you know, in these preseason games and in the – uh, in training camp so far. He was hurt a, a lot of last year, but um, I, he might be an answer. You know, he, I like Logan Thomas, too, a, actually. I think Logan's athleticism separates him from Turner. But Turner's going to be a solid guy. He'll be like, he'll be the Dalton Schultzes. You know, he'll be right there in that group. But I don't think he's in the Dallas Goddard, TJ Hawkinson, like that group. Of course, Kelsey's at the top by himself. But you'd like to have somebody athletically in that next, you know, tier. All right, let's go around the league a little bit with Sean uh, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.
A little bit more with Sean King. We'll talk some NFL with Sean right after I tell you that this segment of the show is brought to you by the Circa Million and the Circa Survivor Contests at the Circa Sportsbook and Casino, where Sean does his show with Tim Murray. The Circa Million, by the way, guarantees $6 million in prizes, a million dollars to the winner. You pick five games against the spread each week, uh, and the person with the best record at the end of the year takes home a million bucks. But the top 100 pays, plus there are season-long and quarterly prizes as a part of the Circa Million. The Circa Survivor, $8 million guaranteed to the winner or winners. Pick one team straight up, no spread every week. If that team loses or ties, you're out. But if they win, then you get to pick another team the following week, no spread. But you can't pick the same team twice in a season. The last person standing uh, will collect or share in an $8 million first prize. So that's $14 million in guaranteed prizes. No rake. All the extra money goes into the prize pool. Entries close September 9th at 2 p.m. You must register in person at the Circus Sportsbook in Nevada. Weekly picks can be made through a proxy from anywhere. I played both of those contests when I was out in Vegas a few weeks ago. The Circus Sportsbook, by the way, is amazing. All right, uh, we continue with Sean. I want to talk a little league with you, uh, and I want to start with this. Give me a team in each conference that you think heading into the season is flying under the radar. Uh, in the NFC, I'll start there. It's the New York Giants. I think people are undervaluing the New York Giants significantly. I am a huge Brian Daybowl fan, and Quietly, they get Sterling Shepard and Wondell Robinson back healthy. They traded for Darren Waller. Yep. They brought in Paris Campbell in free agency. They convinced Saquon Barkley to not hold out. And Daniel Jones is probably never going to be Peyton Manning or Tom Brady throwing the ball, but he's also a very underrated athlete. I think he rushed for 700 yards and seven or eight touchdowns last year off the top of my head without knowing the exact number, but I think it's in that in that range. So I, I think defensively they're going to be pretty salty too. So if there's a team I think being undervalued in the NFC, it's the New York Giants. What about the AFC? AFC is a little more tricky because I think everybody that can make noise has kind of been identified. I think the one team that I'm probably higher on than most is the Tennessee Titans. You know, I just think Mike Vrabel's an excellent coach. Their culture's right. You get Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill in contract years. So I'm sure both of those guys, if they have a big year, feel like they'll get one more, you know, kind of significant deal. Uh, Derrick Henry finally has a Batman, Batman to uh, a Robin to his Batman, Tajay Spears, the rookie running back from Tulane. You saw him, you know, run for a touchdown, pretty impressive one the other night. And then they added DeAndre Hopkins in free agency. So, as long as uh, the end, the knee thing with Traylon Burst insignificant, they got a young tight end. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his name. I just call he, him. He's, he, he's from he's from my alma, alma mater, Maryland. Spears is from yours. Um, Chig Aquanquo, Aquanquo. Right. I, yeah, I think he's, I think he's one of the best young tight ends in the game. I really do. Right, and so so and then you look at defensively, Jeffrey Simmons, one of the top defensive linemen in the league. And because of Vrabel, they're always going to be rock solid. 
if there's one team that I think may be capable of making some noise that people aren't already talking about, then it's, it's Tennessee. Yeah, I'm with you on Tennessee. I think Vrabel's so good. Uh, you have strong opinions about coaches, and I, and I love what you said about Vrabel, and I also totally agree with you about Brian Dable so far. Um, what kind of job do you think Sean Payton's going to do in Denver, and will he resuscitate Russell Wilson's career? So now this one is interesting because just to put context on this, I view Sean Payton in the same light as Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, uh, McVay with the Rams when it comes to designing a game plan to attack a defense, being able to teach that game plan to your team, being able to utilize the different pieces from year to year, and then being great on game day, making adjustments, making the right call. So I think very highly of Sean Payton. But I also believe in the karma, the energy you put out in this universe, you get back. So I was very surprised that Sean publicly took a shot at Nathaniel Hackett. Even though I agree 100%. Uh, to me, Nathaniel Hackett's ascension is nepotism at its finest in that industry, in that field. But I wouldn't have said it publicly. So now nah, I just, I'm afraid to really back the, the Broncos this year, Kel. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say with restraint. I think he improves them, but I don't know if the karma's right this year. And maybe that's what Sean wants. Maybe Sean doesn't want him to succeed this year so that he can blow it up and, and come back and, and mold it in his image because he inherited this mess. You know, it wasn't something that he created. So uh, we'll see. Muscle has not looked good so far in the preseason, but I mean, we'll find out here shortly, I guess. You know, he said something, too, during the offseason shortly before he got hired by Denver um, on XM Sirius's Mad Dog uh, Network. He, he said that Washington's ownership, one of the ownership groups, this is before we knew all of the ownership groups, had reached out to him to gauge interest, which I thought was low rent. You know, when you consider that Ron Rivera, and I know you don't like him, but Ron Rivera is – is has the job and he's essentially and you know telling the world that new ownership is reaching out to him or potential new ownership is reaching out to him to gauge interest in taking Ron Rivera's job. Uh now with that said, would I take Sean Payton here uh over Ron Rivera? Well of course. <laughs> of course we would. But I think Sean Payton has gotten a- ahead of his skis a little bit. We'll see if it works out. Um what about Deshaun Watson in Cleveland? this year what do you think will happen i think you'll see a much improved version uh cleveland was almost a team that i mentioned in the afc instead of tennessee you know when you look at them on paper i mean they're pretty salty now they do they're they're one of the few four to five teams that don't have offensive line concerns they have one of the better groups in the league they have what a lot of people consider if not the best one of the top three backs and nick chubb you know, when you think about Amari Cooper, they added uh, Moore from the Jets. They had Donovan Peoples-Jones. They have Njoko at tight end. I mean, they got the pieces now to be pretty darn good. Of course, defensively, they added Zadarius Smith to go with, you know, Miles Garrett and those guys. I was, So on paper, they look good. I don't know as much about Stefanski as other people do. Uh, when you look at the first head coach to be fired markets, Stefanski's the favorite. So uh, I don't know how that 
fits together and works, but I would be shocked if Deshaun isn't much better this year. The first thing I saw that was encouraging, he's back to using his athleticism. I thought when he became the starter last year after the suspension ended, he was trying so hard to throw the ball from the pocket, show people he's a pocket quarterback. And then I start hearing some people from within the organization tell me, well, that wasn't Deshaun, that was Stefanski. Not giving him freedom at the line of scrimmage, wanting him to throw the ball from the pocket. So in the preseason, when I saw him make some runs, get back to being Deshaun from Clemson and Houston, then I was like, I got encouraged. But uh, we'll find out here really soon because they have a really difficult early schedule, and I think they're one of the teams, if they don't get off to a good start, uh, the make a change at the top you know, noise is going to become pretty loud. Yeah, I, I thought the only moment he had last year was actually in the game against Washington that eliminated Washington from the postseason uh, race. Uh, he, he, I mean, they, they went on three straight drives, 175 yards, 21 points in the second half. I mean, Wentz was terrible in the game, but they had a, Washington had a halftime lead and couldn't stop Cleveland in the second half. Um, are you, you – you've shared your thoughts about Nathaniel Hackett, but tell me what you think about Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. Well, I think if you start where they're really good, I mean, they look like they may have one of the all-time great defensive groups. I mean, their front seven is tremendous. They are going to be a problem for opposing teams. Um, I love Salah and the way that he deals with the team. Uh, I would say this, the offensive line has major concerns, but a lot of NFL teams deal with that. Uh, I do think there's going to be some issues. If you think back to Green Bay, Rodgers' frustration was with how young they were at pass catcher, Christian Watson, Romeo Doves, and you could see his frustration. Well, the Jets are pretty much the same group from an experience standpoint. I mean, Chris Davis, Garrett Wilson, even though they're talented, I mean, they're not an older, experienced group. So we'll see as this progresses. I know they got a couple vets mixed in there, McCole Hartman and, you know, brought over Alan Lazard. So we'll see how it works. But I'm I'm of the expectation that there are going to be some early season issues with the Jets, and we'll just see how they handle them. All right, last one for Sean King. Uh, January of two thousand, uh, of two thousand, you're starting in a playoff game against Washington. Washington's got a big lead. You rally the team. They come back. Do you remember? Do you remember the play, the Warwick Dunn play, where you guys are about to go off the field, still trailing in the game in the fourth quarter? And you got sacked and work done somehow, picked up the ball and ran for like 15 yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was doing like a 180. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that was a crazy game. When you go back and watch it in hindsight, I mean, I mean, that just was a, it wasn't a high scoring game, but it was a game to me that was kind of intriguing as I look back at it. Because I felt like we left so many opportunities on the field in the first. Half and then I think uh, Brian Mitchell, you yeah. know, ran the kickback to start the second half, right. and I'm sure the Washington people were like, "Oh, this is over. No way this offense can get it done." But uh, hey, we scratched and we clawed and we fought, we persevered, you know. And hey, it took a bad snap on a field goal, yep, to to 
I mean, close it out all the way. But, man, that's off to my guys. They just kept grinding. They kept fighting. You know, it's crazy because you look back on that team, man, it was six Hall of Famers on the field for the Bucks. Because that was still Dungy uh, as yeah. the head coach. So you had Tony Dungy. You had uh, Randall McDaniel on offense, the guard. We had brought over from Minnesota. Right. You had uh, John Lynch, Rondé Barber, Derek Brooks, Warren Sapp. Wow. That team had six future Hall of Famers as part of the group. <laughs> and you guys were the only team that year to completely slow down the Rams. I mean, that was an odd – you said an odd game against Washington. The NFC Championship game was an odd game. The final score was like 11-6, to six, I think it was. Yeah, I'm um, still looking for that uh, that referee. That yeah, was a damn uh, it, I'm it, still that, looking for that guy. That, that was a touchdown. Bert Emanuel, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, he, only cost, he only cost about $30 million. I ain't bitter. <laughs> yeah, because it would have been you guys instead of the Rams against the Titans in the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Um by the way, just out of curiosity, did you think at that point that Kurt Warner was because you're you're a quarterback, you had had an incredible college career, and there you were starting for the Buccaneers in the NFL. Did you view Kurt Warner as a future Hall of Famer? Uh, I didn't think like that back then. Right. So that it didn't cross my mind. I mean, hell, I was playing with Hall of Famers, and that didn't cross my mind. So. I just was trying to make sure I call the play correct, <laughs> get the snap count right. <laughs> you know, and let's try and throw the throw the football to the guys that have the same color jersey on as we do. So, <laughs> right. I mean, I was a baby at that point. <laughs> uh, Sean does a great job with Tim Murray. Listen to their show uh, on Vizen, um, wherever you can get that show. Uh, enjoyed the conversation like I did last time. Uh, best of luck and. Uh, hopefully you're right about Sam Howell. All right, absolutely. We'll uh, we'll talk again soon. All right, sounds good, Sean. Thanks. All right, that's it for the day. Uh, I'll have something for you tomorrow as well. And the second half is underway. And Brian Mitchell returning from the goal line for the Redskins. And Mitchell gets into the open field and Gramatica misses a tackle. And Mitchell still going down field and another miss. And Mitchell will go in. Did not see a flag down. Ryan Mitchell, who a few years ago was one of the best at kick returns, brings this back 100 yards for a Redskin touchdown. King. And King is going to fumble, and it's picked up by Warren Dunn. And Dunn will have the first down for Tampa Bay. 